Hello plantpreneurs and welcome back to series three of the plant-based business podcast brought to you by us here at Feevolution. I'm Damien Clarkson, your co-host and co-founder at Feevolution, where right now we're busy building a new home of plant-based innovators over at feevolution.com. So each week on this show, we explore what it takes to create and scale a great plant-based business. We do this with the best and brightest entrepreneurs and investors who are busy building solutions for a better world. This week on the show, I'm speaking to Rachel and Neil, founders of The Fergus Co. When I think of both of these entrepreneurs, resilience is the first word that comes to mind. They originally launched with a restaurant in London and they've gone on to open several sites across the UK, all whilst launching a range of products including mayo, cheesy sauces and meal kits. In the face of the global pandemic, they really have done an amazing job adapting their business and ultimately they've ended up with a more robust and high impact business model and a growing range of products and I think uh, the future is incredibly bright for Ferga. In this interview, we really do go deep on what it takes to build a meaningful business and one where you look after people and planet and, you know, really push things forward in a really progressive and interesting way. So sit back and enjoy. I love doing this one. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it too. How are you doing, guys? Really good, thank you. How are you? Good, yeah. It's been a good start to 2021. And um I'm just super excited to do this interview because we've been talking about it since the summer and I know you guys have had so much going on. So I'm just, yeah, thank you both for for coming on the show. So on this show, we normally like to take it back to the beginning. And can you tell listeners a little bit about your your backgrounds and were you both always destined to become entrepreneurs? Wow, what a great question. question. (laughs) I think, so, well... Before this kind of the the whole journey, I used to work in the fashion industry. I was a fashion buyer and you worked... I worked in risk management at a bank. (laughs) So we both had really different kind of careers before this. um, And we did that, well, we both did it for around 10 years. And, you know, it got... It helped us to travel the world. We, we met so many people, you know, it was, a, it was an awesome life and we loved it. But I think there were two things really. Food was always our passion. Mm. We literally would scour everything, find the most awesome pop-up or the next new restaurant that was opening or whatever it was, we would like be there. Yeah. We would scout it on social media. It was kind of our thing, like just as yeah. a couple. And I think... But then you get to the point in your career where you kind of realize that you're not really making a difference. And that really hit home to us for so long. Yeah. We would come home from work and just be like, what did I actually do in work today that made a difference to anything, like anything at all? Yeah. And I think that really started to frustrate us a lot. And um, it was that. And then combined with the fact that um, for many years, Neil suffered with a really bad stomach issue. Do you want to kind of yeah yeah so throughout my career basically I had these recurring stomach issues and it wasn't anything you know all the usual stomach complaints that people immediately go to and it was none of those (laughs) and I had these like really sharp shooting pains that would last for like 12 hours Um, and then that would happen like every few weeks ago uh, or so and then randomly disappear and then randomly appear again and it was like this on and off thing for a really long time Um, I went to see loads of doctors I had you know cameras pushed down my throat which is very unpleasant um yeah I mean I had it all and and it couldn't really give me like a solid uh you know reason why this was happening 
Um, what they did give me though was uh, drugs, acid suppressing drugs, um, which they basically said, you know, take these pretty much every day um, and it should be okay. <laughs> and I kind of turned to Rachel at that point pretty despondent and I was just like, I'm not doing this, like I'm not taking this and having no answers. So um, yeah, we just went on this huge um, odyssey, I guess, to figure out how I could, you know, get rid of this myself and how I could just change uh, to... to eat a little bit better and to live a little bit better you know we were both very busy we were both working very long hours and pretty stressed and eating rubbish food a lot of the time and yeah I think it just it, it all kind of came to a head at the same time really and it, it brought us to to where we are pretty organically. <laughs> what what did what, what did that look like then was that reading reading the China study documentaries? Yeah like... well it, it actually a step before that so we turned um we turned 30 and you know that pivotal moment where oh you're yeah just, and you're just like oh what what am i doing plus neil's health so we took this trip to california and we did um that was in 2016 quite early on and, and we celebrated neil's birthday that's why we went there but we found ourselves um navigating towards um better for you restaurants or, or restaurants that would um, shout about how great they are at flavors and plant-based restaurants that kind of thing um, restaurants that we couldn't access here in London back in 2016 it just didn't exist and we were blown away by how phenomenal they were and how delicious they were and more than anything how much better Neil felt as a result eating at you know during that holiday and it was during that time that we thought to ourselves wow so you're feeling better yeah. we've predominantly eaten vegan this whole holiday and you haven't been sick nothing has gone wrong we're doing okay so we came back from that holiday and we wanted to make that change here at home and we wanted to kind of adopt that lifestyle we started to you know read a ton of um books educate ourselves we watched amazing documentaries um we did we did the work and then we realized, okay, well, if we're going on this journey and we're doing this, um, we, we really have to go mm. all in. Yeah. But it was adopting, and, and there was kind of, you know, the thoughts in our, in, in our minds of, okay, well, what does this mean for us now? But then we, were, we still had our jobs and we still had our daily life and we still had everything going on. So we would still want to, you know, eat out after work or have something quick or easy. And then suddenly we found it really difficult to go out to our usual restaurants and eat something awesome on the go that suddenly was hugely difficult for us. Mm. You know, we, we became um, the customers who were awkward. We were made to feel like an inconvenience. And just that feeling, no customer wants to feel like an inconvenience, you know? <laughs> Here's my money, make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was just frustrating for, for the, whole, the whole thing. So it was that feeling, plus the change going on in our personal lives, plus, you know, doing the work and realising what veganism meant for the first time. We mm. felt alive. We felt like, how could we possibly have been living this other way for so long? You know, that, that change in mindset that happens. And um, so it was a combination of those three massive things happening that led us to the point where we were like, well, if we're suffering in this yeah. way, I'm more than sure there are other people suffering in the same way. So, you know, let's do something about this. And then that's kind of how the yeah. Virgoco kind of idea came to life and just us chatting about it at home and yeah. and just making it yeah <laughs> come alive. That must have been quite daunting for you both because you both obviously were highly skilled and successful in your careers. 
but you weren't making food <laughs> at that point. We were eating plenty of food. We were eating. <laughs> so like... Where did, where did you start with that? Was it like, okay, we're going to start making stuff in the kitchen? Are we going to like, how did it start? Oh my gosh, literally that. I think um, initially it was us experimenting in the kitchen, literally at home. We had, um, as you know, when you start um, a food business here in the UK, you have to have a health officer come and check your premises so that um, they know that where your food is being you know, prepared, it's safe for consumption. So we had like a, I, I always remember this moment. We um, we started out in our kitchen, so all of our recipes were here, and then we realized the process. If we want to go out and serve this food, we have to get a health officer to come to our house and check it. We didn't have the money to have, you know, a, a preparation kitchen or, or anywhere to go. We, we were literally bootstrapping the whole thing, just working nine to five, you know, five days a week and then selling it on a weekend. And we did that for as long as we possibly could, basically. And the health officer came to the to the house and we were just like, I remember the whole process of like cleaning everything and making yeah. sure everything was perfect. You have to have your book, your folder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We had our folder yeah. ready, all of our like data was ready to go. We did the research. We were just like, we were Googling everything. How, what does this, you know, what, what does this, you know, how, how does this happen? What does this mean? You know. They were so impressed though. I remember <laughs> yeah. she was like, we'd so, we'd completely, over prepared um, and it's actually you know in, in hindsight now I mean it's it's not easy to get these things right but it's very procedural you know and it's really stuff you should be doing anyway um, so now it's you know we're quite we do it quite effectively now but back then I think we thought it was this impossible task so we like we spent days preparing for it and she kind of arrived and was looking through the stuff and she was like yeah okay fine <laughs> this is really good <laughs> so yeah so I, I i think you know for for early you know early stage anyone in in this kind of industry and, and going into into that it's such a stressful process yeah. to think about wanting to open a restaurant so for us we just took it like a, a little stage at a time yeah. okay well what do we need to do to to make this next stage happen yeah. okay well here's our checklist and we literally just took it like that yeah. okay eho inspection check yeah. um, market stall check yeah. how to even set up a gazebo yeah. check <laughs> you know it was literally that basic and i think you know sometimes a lot of people want to make you feel in the early stages like because you don't have experience yeah. you shouldn't be doing a certain thing but actually you know, we, we can all learn from one another. That's why we all share information between one another. That's why there's so much information available mm -hmm. everywhere that you look in books and podcasts YouTube. and online, <laughs> YouTube. Just make use of all of that information that's there to you and, and you can really make great decisions off the back of it. Yeah, I, I love that story, you know, and, and people making you think that you can't do things is obviously you were like, no, this is this is something we're now passionate about. And obviously combined with your previous love of food and you, you went into street food like as a sort of a test, a test bed really for what, what you were doing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Well, we realized that who's gonna who's gonna want to actually eat this food? We, we had no idea. We realized that it was a problem that we wanted to solve. And we thought maybe there are other people out there, but we didn't know that for a fact. We, we just thought, oh, hey, maybe this is a cool thing to do and, and we want to get out there. But we realized that to make that happen, you can't just open a restaurant on day one. That's in, that's virtually impossible. You need to build your brand and, and you know, get out there and, and get people to try what you're doing and get that feedback. That initial feedback is everything to, to what you're building, right? 
So we, um, we thought the cheapest, most convenient way to do that and quickest way was to open um, a food stall, just mm-hmm. like in, in a market somewhere. But, you know, that was a challenge in itself in the beginning as well. It didn't really exist, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> so were we talking like 2017, four years ago? 2016. Yeah, 2016. It was like um, July 2016. Yeah. And I remember... Um, taking a day off work um, sorry previous boss I took a day off work to um, say you know I did a bunch of research into um, I remember spending the whole day just looking for markets who's out there where can we what can we access I spent the day just calling people emailing people and honestly nothing came back it's very hard I was so deflated I remember feeling just really Oh, I, I remember you coming mm. home from work at that time yeah, yeah. and us talking about like, okay, what what are we going to do now? What if no yeah. one comes back to us? Because nobody wanted, unfortunately, a vegan concept in their marketplace. And that was the feedback, you know, eventually that we would get is just people saying, oh, no, no, v- vegan burgers won't, won't sell. No, 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 you, you definitely not. We need, if you're doing meat please please come along it was honestly that was the feedback we would get i still have emails i I look back at them sometimes and i'm just like oh okay should put them all on instagram yeah exactly yeah (laughs) i know it's crazy i think people assume that markets are um you know super easy to get into and and you know there's spaces everywhere but i mean now there probably would be but i think um you know back at the height of of everything and it was summer 2016 so markets were you know booming um, it, it's difficult, you know, you can't get into any of the sort of premium ones. You can't just walk up and, and get in, you know, they, they want to see that you've traded elsewhere. They want to yeah. see your financials. You know, we had none of that. We, so. had, we had nothing. Yeah. Anyway, we found this one amazing pioneering yeah. um, market in Tottenham, North London. And um, they, amazing, they were amazing at supporting brand new small yeah. Um, concepts no matter what you brought to the table they, they were there are. to support you and just having someone reply to you yeah. in those early stages that that believed in in you a little bit to give you that chance and then all we had to do have is that one chance so that we could prove ourselves so that we could keep coming back and I think you know it without that person doing that for us in that early stage you know I, I don't know what would have happened I, I don't know if we would have given up or said you know what no one wants us what do we do now I, <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea so luckily she believed in us and you know we traded really well and um, it was right by the stadium wasn't it yeah not far yeah. so and we used to trade on a Sunday so there used to be quite a lot of like football matches going on at that time so there was a huge football crowd that would naturally walk through mm-hmm. this market so, you know, they'd be intrigued by vegan, what does this mean? <laughs> yeah. And then we'd just be like, try it, just try it. And they would, and then they would become our regular customers. Mm. And they would be the ones who would keep coming back and telling, you know, giving us feedback. Oh, I love that one that you did, but not, not that one. So then we'd, you know, advance every single week on, you know, okay, we were creating them initially, but then that feedback became crucial to like everything that we did from there on in. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic to sort of witness all of that. And I think, when did the restaurant open? I was trying to think of it. Was it 2017? It was March of 2018. 18. But were you, up until that point, were you both still working in your full-time, your, your full-time jobs? No, we left our jobs actually on the same day. I think we got back after Christmas uh, of 2016. So it would have been January 2017. Um, and I think then we left our jobs in February of 2017. So from uh, that point to 
the following year basically took about about a year so the first half of 2017 we were doing pop-ups events festivals you know starting to speak to investors um, doing a lot of work on the brand and the product and you know getting the menu right and getting the food right which was you know is, is still the most important thing um, and then it took us I think we got our funding our first bit of funding in the summer and then probably another six months to find the right property um, yeah. it took a, it took a long time so yeah <laughs> yeah it did, it did really it it took a long time to kind of just just every building block just seemed to take forever yeah. didn't it yeah you know the the funding part of that was probably the the mm -hmm. hardest if if we're super honest just to get the funding to yeah. open that restaurant we thought it would just never happen yeah you're you opened in shoreditch in london your first restaurant and that location is fantastic it's really such heavy footfall it's a great it's just in a great spot and can you remember your first your first paying customer who wasn't invited down to that first to the first restaurant? So this is a whole story in itself, but I'll keep it brief. The first day that we opened, we did this um, amazing giveaway, which yeah. was so not necessarily paying customer, but they were paying for certain items during the giveaway. So okay. the giveaway was just one free burger for every person who came through the door. Um, anything else you would pay for. Um, on that first day, there was a queue down the road, which was awesome, amazing. We were like all in. We had about like 15 members of staff on that first day. And um, literally the minute someone walked through the door, the Wi-Fi went down and yeah. we had no POS system, oh nothing. So no tickets were going through to the kitchen. Um <laughs> The, the, it was the hottest day of the year, so the kitchen, everyone was sweating in the kitchen, and um, we we were just standing there like, is is this actually happening right now? We didn't know whether to cry or to, we had no idea, we were so stressed out, so we basically just had to take um, take a minute and just, just think to ourselves, okay, there's no tickets going into the kitchen, we literally just have to manually write every single order and just you know do what we can so luckily people were so so kind of kind to us and they appreciated okay you're going through like a wild hour um but luckily the wi-fi came back after about an hour or so and we you know we, everything was fine but it was it was hell on earth i'm not gonna lie wow that bad the things that um <laughs> formative experiences right <laughs> But things, the Wi-Fi did work and things uh, worked out with that site in Shoreditch eventually. <laughs> they did. And and then you, you decided to expand and go to Brighton. So how, how did that go? Brighton is, was was kind of on our on our map from the beginning, really. We, we've loved going down to Brighton for years. Um, it's a great place. It's super close to London. Uh, it's good fun by the sea. And as you say, there's loads of great restaurants and it's a really nice, friendly uh, vibe down there. So we were always looking at Brighton. Um, I think the key for that city in particular was always finding the right space. Um, so we we took a really long time to, you know, we waited and waited and waited and we, we looked at a few places, we turned a few down. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, we were always planning to open Brighton. It had nothing to do with the uh, the lockdown, but then we were planning to open in March, I think, of last year. And uh, obviously that didn't happen. Um, and then we pushed it back to to July, where, which is where we opened. But yeah, it's been I mean it's been fantastic for us so far. We, we've we've been really blown away by the the welcome we've had in Brighton. It's been amazing. We found a great team. Um, you know the customers down there are super friendly and and really kind of excited. Um, yeah, it's been great. It's been yeah, a really good site for us. It's been so good. I think the 
the challenge in opening that site was obviously through the, the pandemic and you know we had um equipment stuck in like you know wherever china, china <laughs> yeah. and you know um, builders who had to remain on on furlough and couldn't actually like leave their houses anymore yeah. um so everything that we had planned which was going to be a short and a really quick turnaround of a four week kind of shell condition to full restaurant which was really quick for us and everyone was you know really on board to make this happen and then suddenly everything changed and it just changed overnight and it felt like you know the the biggest kind of challenge to overcome because we had this big project and we knew it was going to be awesome but then suddenly not knowing when something is going to come to fruition was just the biggest just gut punch and we we just you know we, it was heart-wrenching wasn't it mm. that that news that you know, suddenly of course everyone needs to be safe and 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 the first and, and instant priority for us was keeping our team safe so we had Shoreditch at that point but we also had Canary Wharf our other restaurant and all of those teams had to be you know at home and and we the first priority was making sure that they um, were kind of safe and well and their families were safe and well so you know we suddenly had to close all of our restaurants and then knowing that it, behind the scenes we're not sure a when they're all going to open but b we've got this big brighton project to to continue with was just yeah <laughs> one of the yeah. toughest times mentally as well for us yeah mm-hmm. Did, was there a moment where you maybe thought that this might be it and you know it might We've sort of we might not come back from this. Is that something that crossed your mind? Oh, I think you, you know what it's not necessarily that. Oh, this is this is it. But it was more, what do we do now? You know, we've never faced this challenge before. So I think it was just that that sudden reality of well, we we need to do something and we need to do it quickly. We're not the kind of people who just sit back and you know don't do anything and ride it out and see how life plays out I I literally can't sit still so I have to (laughs) I have to like keep doing something so instantly our you know after that initial like gut punch and heart-wrenching conversation and tears and you know all of that all of that kind of those feelings once they came to to a head we were just like okay we've got to make a plan so that that first plan for us was and it actually came from again social media and our, our little community that we've built on Instagram. People were suddenly um, DMing us and saying, "Well, can we still get access to your food?" And because a lot of restaurants um, and their messaging at the time was um, telling people that they can still come and get um, takeaway or they can still access us, for us it was important that we um, close the restaurants to keep everyone safe and well in terms of our team. Uh, and we obviously had the governmental support, so that was excellent. It meant everybody, um, the government was providing 80%, but we also provided the extra 20 So people got 100% of their salaries regardless, and they were right. all safe and at home. So we were like, tick, everyone's everyone's happy, everyone's okay, and they're, they're safe. So once that priority was overcome, the next thing for us was, well, how do we still provide a service to our customers you know we don't know how long this is going to continue we don't know if there's an end if ever so we still need to get out there and we still need to serve our burgers so that initial change for us was um it was just a team conversation and we were all like what do we do now and then suddenly we we said well look let's pack up our burger all the elements of it into a box 
and then let's ship that box you know initially across London but hey maybe there's someone who will take it across the UK wow and um, let's let's you know get the burger out to our customers and we initially said well let's do it as a trial let's um, you know put it online let's do it as a trial see if our customers actually you know engage with what what this is maybe they won't and let's go from there and it's basically taken off since then and it's been one of the the best things um, that we've ever done I would yeah, say. Yeah. You guys are oozing with passion. I think uh, you're so right. And it's just um, hats off to you both because you're against another thing where you've had to get outside of your comfort zone and what you've been doing, you know, for the last four years and, and go and do something else. And uh, yeah, it's great. Thank I you. I think it's a really great so message. Much. Thank, you. Thank you ever so much. One of the things I wanted to move on to was culture because, you know, I you're managing free restaurants, you know, product businesses, like... Uh, how many, how big is the team now of people working with Fergo? Uh, fifty people. Yeah. Wow, that's massive. That's really big. Like, as that you know, I think I find it hard enough working in a team of six, seven people. So, like, hats off to you both. And like, how do you how do you sort of manage that? And how do you find the right people who have got you know? Because you two are so this means the world to you. It's so clear when you speak to you both. It's your your passion, and it just comes across. How do you? find people who've got that quality and you talk about quality so much as well like who want to make sure that everything is done to the levels you would expect like how do you find those people and keep them engaged in what you're doing it's super difficult it's so tough it's really really tough i think when we started in shoreditch um of course that was our little baby so every single day we would be there we would be the ones you know opening and closing and doing the kitchen shifts and people clean it we would do whatever it took and um in the early days people really saw that and to see you know there aren't many jobs that you get to go into and work with the founder of the business who's also mopping the floor next to you and we take those little things for granted that actually people absorb that energy yeah it's a good point we're we're super we're super honest with people you know we we give people as much as we can possibly give. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're open door all the time. We're super transparent. Um, we're very authentic. You know, we, we don't pretend to do anything. Everything we say in public, we really do. Um, you know, everything we do for the team, they know that we're, we're there in our support in spades. Um, so I think it, it just kind of gradually over, over a longer period of time, it, it, that manifests in people actually caring more about their jobs. Um, you know, you care about people; they care more about you. It's it's fairly sort of straightforward, really. And we're very we're very straightforward with people, as you say, really. They're not always going to like you every day because sometimes you got to deliver hard messages. But we always do that in a fair way. We're always, you know, super upfront. And um, yeah, I think people resonate with that. It's 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 pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's great. It's very un-British of you uh, to be direct and <laughs> say uh, say how it is. <laughs> It's the only way. We never like when it, we we'll never shout. You know, we, people have. I mean, hardly anybody in our company's ever heard us be you know, properly angry. Um, but I think you can be super straightforward and and super honest with people in a really kind of constructive way. Um, and that's what we we try. And and let's talk about fundraising. As you know, it's a big part of what we do at Fevolution. We connect uh, startups with investors, and you guys have have done several funding rounds and been. Re- really successful you know you've uh, raised investments from our friends at Dismatrix and just 
what would you say to people who are just starting out on their fundraising journey? I know, Neil, you, Neil, you do um, a lot of uh, mentoring with Virgin Startup Group. And yeah, we just just love to love to hear just some tips and thoughts you have about your fundraising journey and stuff you like to pass on, really. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's been, it's difficult. Look, I mean, even now, arguably, it's slightly easier now than it used to be, but it's still, at every stage, it's super difficult to raise money. Ultimately, you're asking people to part with, you know, in most cases, hundreds of thousands of pounds, sometimes more. Um, it's a lot of cash. It doesn't matter how wealthy an investor is. That's a lot of money and it's a lot of trust to put in you. Um, and you really have to convince them that, that, that it's as safe as it's going to be. You know, obviously, they understand there's a risk involved. Otherwise, they'd put their money in a bank. You know, they, 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 they know that they're taking on risk, but you really have to try and cover off as many bases as you can. Um, you know, in our case, that was, you know, proving ourselves as much as we could. As Rachel said in the beginning, we did tons of events, we did festivals, we did pop-ups and markets before we even started having investor conversations. Um, and that really was to save us going and sitting in front of an investor and, and basically having nothing to show. Um, at least we went there with some, you know, some idea of what we were doing. We, we had a plan, we had some traction, we had some Instagram support. Um, you know, all of these things really helped. So I think my first and obvious tip um, is, is to do as much as you possibly can uh, before you raise money. And that's not only to do what I just said, which is prove yourself, but it's also to protect as much of your equity as you can. Um, you know, it probably goes without saying, but the, the, the more valuable your company can be at the point of investment, the less equity you, you have to give away. Um, so I think that's, that's a super important point. Um, and I think really just know know your market, um, know what you're doing, know your business. You know, there's no, you know, we didn't know about food in the beginning, but nine, 12 months in, there's no excuse for not knowing, you know, your financial model or your business plan or, you know, what, what, who are your competitors or, or what are you trying to do? You know, you've, you've got to know that stuff. You can't, you can't ask somebody for a lot of money and, and not have answers to those types of questions. So I think really, really knowing, knowing what you're doing inside out um, and knowing where, you, where you're trying to go with it. Um, and then I think finally, I'd probably say looking for the right investors. There are a ton of investors all specializing in different things. Sometimes they don't specialize. Sometimes they, you know, they're open to all sorts. Um, you know, building a network, this kind of stuff really helps. Um, but yeah, I think there's no point talking to a tech specialist investment about a food business. You know, there's, there's just no point. They won't answer your email probably. So I think just take your time to do some research. There's so much information there's so many websites, there's so many places you can go to look. Um, and I think really that's, it, it, it doesn't just happen. You know, you can't just click your fingers and raise money. It, it, it really is a process and you have to be prepared to go through it to get to the right result. Do you, do you both enjoy the process now? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll never enjoy it, I don't think. Um, as I say, it's still hard now. You know, we, we, we can't just walk up to an investor now and get, you know, uh, a million pounds it, it, it just doesn't work like that <laughs> yeah yeah you're asking for serious amounts of money now it's not it's and also we we now also have to take into account the the outside kind of environment that we're we're actually operating in we're essentially a restaurant business okay we have our retail products but they are still new they're a new part of our business so we are still a restaurant business trying to operate in you know 2020 and 2021 and also trying to raise money in, in a time frame where people don't necessarily want to believe in you know the restaurant industry 
that's tough. That's really, really tough. And, you know, there, there are opportunities for brand new businesses and brand new food businesses to want to start and, and have amazing deals and talk to landlords about all of those vacant mm. op, you know, opportunities that are there. So the opportunities are now here more than ever before. However, how do you convince a brand, uh, an investor that as a brand new food business that, yes, you should believe in me? when you know the whole market is is so downbeat on restaurants yeah. right now so that's tough you know and and that doesn't change at any level that you go through who would have predicted that a pandemic would have happened in 2020 nobody but you know this is this is what we're living with now there, there may never be an end to this if not this there'll be something else right so i think you know we have to future proof ourselves and make sure that we are as kind of diverse and we evolve as much as possible and and yes at every stage it's a struggle and we both kind of go through so much mentally you know that the ups and the downs and the conversations I'm sure you have been through the same kind of journey and so many people have and you know, it's tough it's tough mentally on on a founder to have to hear no and no and no and no all the time when you know you have something so fantastic but then you think to yourself <laughs> is it fantastic yeah. Is it? Is this? Is this good? Are we going in the right direction? So you have to just be, you know, so resilient and mm. just keep going and keep believing in yourself. And you know, you have to have, you know, the reason why in your brain all the time. Why are you doing this? And just keep going for it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And um, yeah, I, congratulations on the fundraising you've done today. I think uh, you've done a really, really great job in a difficult environment as well. So. <laughs> Uh, one of the things I want to talk about is your couple, like Judy and I. You run run a business together. Like, how how do you find working together? Like, do you, like and and do you ever manage to kind of like fully unwind? What do you do to kind of relax and uh, and switch off from work? You, you know what? It's it's not easy. It's not easy yeah. at all. Um, you know, you're you're going through the same emotions every day, but together there's no kind of off switch you can't you can't just say oh hey let's let's have a nice nice night off and and in the restaurant industry what's a night off you know you're you in our case we're constantly getting you know messages or this problem or this or this so even if we planned to do something nice there's no there's no off button only when we're sleeping is is there time off so I think you know that's that's really tough on you know a relationship that's tough to kind of work together in any partnership even if you weren't in a relationship that's tough so I think we've just taken the steps to really understand one another if we're going through like a stressful time or one of us is feeling it more than the other to kind of just take a step back and just say okay what do you what do you need or you know can I can I help with something can I take something off your shoulders um do you need someone else to help you out with something else you know it, it's in any founder's journey the the mental resilience you need is is mind-blowing and I think getting into this we didn't really even understand that I think it's only when you're yeah. going through that process and you know going through those those kind of down times or rejections and all of the all of that do you realize to yourself, wow, actually, as much as all of those things and all of those painful things are, are going going on, you still have your your kind of your best friend to rely on. And, you know, that's yeah, for us that's that's amazing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, as Rachel said, it you know, there are times where it's difficult, there are times where we clash, you know, we both 
want the best for the business, but we have completely different brains about how to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, we have complementary skills, which is really another kind of good thing. We knit well together. We, you know, we're useful in the same way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's up and down, but you get, you, you get to the end of the day and you realize, you know, I, there's no, there's absolutely no way I would have had the ability mentally to get through what we've had to get through, uh, without Rachel. And I think, you know, that's, you don't, you might not get that from a normal co-founder relationship. In fact, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't. That's lovely. That's really, really nice. <laughs> I really love that, guys. So I can relate to it all. So oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you have the days where, you know, you turn around to each other and you're like, we're so lucky to be doing this. We love that we do this. We we are, like, truly blessed we had to spend all this time together. And, you know, other days where you're like, oh, my God, you're so annoying. <laughs> it's, so, it's so normal, isn't it, to go through those feelings. And I think, you know, you, you also can't underestimate how how important it is to trust the person that you're working with the closest yeah. every single day, you know, and to have those like in-depth conversations about your plans for the future or, you know, who's doing a great job, bad job, what do we, where do we go next, what, what happens? And yeah. to have those really in-depth kind of, you know, conversations that you don't really go to with anyone else, but to do that with someone that you trust, like implicitly, yeah. you, you can't put any money on that. So yeah, uh, I, I appreciate it's pri- it. It's priceless. I agree. And I love it. So I could talk about this stuff all day. I've got a, mil- a million questions. <laughs> We're now going to come into the quick fire round. Um, the best way to do this with two of you is if one of you takes one question, the other one takes the other and we'll do it that way. So firstly, you can pick who goes first. Um, why do you get up in the morning? um okay i'll answer this one i think um see that's that's tough but i think for me it's the responsibility that i have to our team that you know even though i go through the ups and the downs and you know we have a mission that of course we work really hard at every single day but i feel this sense of responsibility to just wake up and show up and give my best for Mm. you know our, our investors who have believed in us our team who works so hard for us and, you know, just myself, to be proud of myself. Yeah. That's lovely. What problem are you trying to solve with your business? Uh, growth, I think, is really the big one. We, you know, we're, we're moving from being a tiny company to a slightly less tiny company. Um, and that brings with it challenges. You know, we want to grow into a big company. So it's it's figuring out you know it's not just money it's actually strategy and structure and how do you you know as you were talking about in the beginning it's figuring out the right way to do things and the right challenges and how to kind of approach things in the right way and obviously then you know systems are having to adapt to to the growth and different software packages aren't quite adequate now that they were six months ago you know so I think it's it's all the things that really you wouldn't think of in advance but actually they can be the most painful things. <laughs> No, that's a great answer. Um, the next question is, which resource has had the biggest impact in your business so far? In the early days, we had um, mentor, a, a mentor, which I think you know we, we really relied on and I think it's really nice. But I think reading and podcasts for us in those early days were essential resources. I think you can't underestimate how valuable reading other people's journeys or reading up about anything and how important that actually is to your journey. And, you know, even if you feel like when you get into something, you're not going to learn anything, you almost always do. 
I can agree more. It's actually the next question is what your top three books or podcasts you recommend to entrepreneurs? Oh, it's a great question. Um, so I think for me, I've read a lot of good books. Um, I, I really enjoy reading. I think one I particularly enjoyed, which is nothing to do with food, but it's all about struggle and overcoming struggle, is um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. It's just a great read. It's a fun book. Um, you know, it's entertaining as well as kind of educational, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think anything like that where it makes you feel a bit more normal, you know, the things you're going through, the things you're experiencing, sometimes you sit there and you think, oh my God, has anybody else actually experienced this? And then you read something like that and you're like, okay, I'm normal. It's okay. <laughs> um, I think I read another one recently um, by the Patagonia founder. Um, it, you know, brilliant, really, in terms of culture, in terms of, you know, the way they've done things differently for 30 years. Um, fascinating, you know, a relentless focus on quality and, you know, different, having a different staff culture and how to approach employment and, and capitalism, I suppose, in a really different way. Um, and I think we've spent a ton of time listening to Guy Raz as well, um, yeah. how I built this. The people who are on there, um, you know, obviously all of them super successful in their own way. But again, the themes that come out are always the same. You know, I don't think any entrepreneur or founder goes through you know, setting up a business, growing a business. And, and you know, I, I don't think you go through that without pain. Um, at least you're super lucky if you do. So I think, you know, you, you, you get a sense of, um, of understanding from each of those in different ways. And of course, they're entertaining too. So I think, yeah, for me, those are probably the top three. Yeah. I like the same books as you. <laughs> I'll send you some live. It's <laughs> great. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started your business? Good question. Um, I, I think this is more theory than anything else, but um, in the very beginning and going through your journey, it's so easy to to look outwards and see what other people are doing and, you know, oh, look at them or look at this or you know, wh whatever it may be. It may not even be, you know, relevant to, to your business, but I think it's so easy to look outwards and, and compare and contrast, but actually... The only thing that matters is what you're doing and where you're going and how are you going to get there and build your build your skill set to get there. And I think it's taken me personally a little while to be able to like, you know, get over that. I'm, I'm such I'm the type of person that that just, you know, oh, we need to do this. So I'm, I'm so wild in my thoughts and, you know, I really want to make it happen and I'm just anything that I say, I'm just like, yeah, let's make it happen. But, um, you know, I think you should notice and appreciate what people do, but don't let it affect you. You, you know, concentrate on what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. I think that's so valuable. Um, I just, from, I think I'm quite similar to you, Rachel. I'm very like, like that. And I mean, Judy, in the early days, you know, we created Fee Evolution. It was like fairly successful. And then all these people started creating things that are very similar, which were kind of ripoffs basically. And we, we were like, like, just sort of, okay, cool. Like we just, but we were really like inclusive, friendly to them. And, um, but in the back of our heads, we we're like, oh, fuck this. This is it's annoying. So hard. Uh, you know, and, you know, actually over after six months or nine months, they sort of went away all these companies. And that's because we stay focused, I guess, on what we were trying to do and doing that to the best of our abilities. And I think it's just such an important, important message really to, to pass on is to stay focused. So I think we're really glad you, you sort of um, echoed that. Um, and lastly, what do you do to keep yourself sane? You can both answer this one. 
We we normally love traveling. I think um, that's something we've probably missed the most over the last twelve months. Um, yeah, we, we we kind of that's kind of how we. I don't know. It sounds a bit cheesy, but it's kind of how we feed our our souls. You know, we we love experiencing different things. We love kind of giving our brains a, an actual change of scenery and an actual change of experience to kind of just reset things a little bit. And yeah, I think we've we've missed that a lot. I think for me, um, that's a big thing right now. Um, you know, we're watching Netflix. We're you know doing all the stuff that other people are doing. We try and get out and have a walk. Um, you know, we try and make each other laugh. It's it's not always easy. Definitely. But, and I just yeah. think, you know, if we've had a, a bad email or a bad bit of news or we're just feeling down and and then we get in the car or we're going somewhere, we always try to put on a song that we yeah. love. Oh, great. And we're just yeah. sing, singing <laughs> so along true. out loud. Yeah. Let's just sing it out. So let's, just, let's just... Come go. on, tell me what you were singing. Oh, my gosh. You, you won't even believe. His one favourite he had today was um, Evanescence. <laughs> Bring me to life. So I'm of a we're similar age, so I know I know about Ephesus. We were we were belting it out, showing our age yeah, a little bit there we as well. Yeah. Uh, but it can be anything, like whatever comes on. I think um, doing something small like that that just makes you both yeah. like you know escape your mind for a second can like make or break your day as well. Yeah. So it's the little things. Yeah, you know we got to remember to laugh, right? Definitely. <laughs> no, I. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you both and I feel so hyped up after this and I hope the listeners will too because I think your story is one of, you know, real real resilience and, you know, I think ambition and you've just, you've, you've had bumps in the road and you've really just ridden over them and, and you know, you're on a great, a great path. So congratulations really from both myself, Judy, you know, it's been great to see. So you know, it's fantastic to, to talk to you both. And so and most importantly, where can people get in touch with you if they're listening and they want to speak to you as founders because um, I think some people might want to do that and where can people buy your products and um, you know eat your food definitely well I guess the easiest way to get in touch with us is on LinkedIn we're both yeah. on LinkedIn just add us and we try to reply as to as many people as possible we, we always always yeah, do we're that very open <laughs> yeah definitely so that's definitely the best place to get in touch with us and yeah. then yeah, in terms of the restaurants, so we've got Shoreditch, uh, Canary Wharf and Brighton. Um, hopefully more coming soon, TBC. Um, and the, uh, the the products are on our website. Um, so that's thevergaco.com. Uh, you can take a look at our Instagram, at thevergaco. Um, and yeah, we, we're in a few retailers, as Rachel mentioned, Planet Organic, Whole Foods, uh, The Vegan Kind. Um, and yeah, we're, we're hoping to grow that soon. Great. So if you're a retailer listening, get in touch with these guys. You know, I can highly recommend what they're doing. So cool. Look, we'll leave it there. And um, and we look forward to seeing all your progress and having you back on in the future. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much Damien. Hello, Damien here. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Plant-Based Business Podcast brought to you by us here at Feevolution. So if you head on over to feevolution.com, you can join our community of investors and startups and people building solutions to a brighter future. And if you enjoyed this show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive review. It really helps us in getting the message out there and getting more people to discover all the positive stories that we're sharing. You can, of course, give us a social media share. Please tag us at Feevolution. We're on all the social media channels. And you can email me at damien at if you want to reach out directly. 
uh, we love hearing from you, you listening to the podcast. I'm honestly amazed at all the messages we receive and you know, it really gives us the encouragement to keep making this show for you and um, all your feedback is always appreciated. And as always, a big thank you to Bridie Addison Child who edits this podcast and for all our guests and all of you, our listeners, for supporting the show. So thank you and until the next time, bye.